Wake up, my dear sinners. Wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers? Know that you are blessed. I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you the best. And I hope that you choose your own religion. Hello, my dear, dear sinners. Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. If you're new to the show, every week, me and a guest talk about our spiritual backgrounds, then we make up our own religion right from scratch, customized for each guest. It's wonderful. There's no ad this week. Wasn't an ad for episode one through four. But unlike episode one through four, this week, I do have Jeff Zuschlag on the show. Uh, so excited to have him. Jeff has been a good friend of mine in 2015. Met him doing uh, improv at the Upright Citizens Brigade, as as is the only way you really make friends in L.A. these days. Jeff is a screenwriter, super talented, one of the smartest guys I know. In this episode, we talk about you know being Episcopalian. That's what he grew up at. So we talk about rituals and traditions and all that good stuff. And it actually, I've started going to an Episcopalian church, uh, but I'm not going to get into it that much on this one. Just know it's cool. They're really cool. They're really welcoming. I'm not like 100% bought in. I don't tell any of them that. I haven't really interacted much with the actual congregants. They seem really nice, though. Really welcoming. Every every service, that their bulletin and announcements are just filled with like, here's 20 different social justice programs we have for LGBT, uh, fighting racism, fighting sexism, fighting Islamophobia. It's a wonderful, wonderful community. Um, I will say, love you Catholics, but Catholics ha- tend to have... More of an attitude of, well, of course you're here. Why wouldn't you be at church? And hey, more power of the Lord to you. Jeff also is a co-host along with my friends Michael Saigan and Bethany Radloff. Uh, they're co-hosts on of this show called Fresh Plays, which is a it's a, it's a play along. No, they're not called play alongs. It, it's a it's a let's play a let's play video game. Play along is like. Probably the most offensive thing I could have called that. Offensively, offensively sweet. Too, too. In, I sound like my mom plugging this show. It's just, it's just nice having friends who would just enjoy each other's company and just getting along. Well, that's that show. And then they, they, they take obscure video games. That, um, they're at least obscure to me. I haven't been in the video game biz in a bit. I did subscribe to Electronic Gaming Monthly, though, as a kid. I was I was legit. I even got published in the uh, to, as a letter to the editor one time. That's right. Published author right here. Anyway, they take these obscure video games and provide witty commentary. You know, just check it out. Don't listen to my plug. That's Jeff. He's great. You're going to love him on this episode. Um, as for me, this week, I had a little bit of a hellish personal Lake Wobegon that I don't want to get too much into. It honestly was dumb. I, I'm not discounting mental illness at all because I suspect I might suffer from a wee bit of it. I can't tell if I'm just normal fucked up, like we're all fucked up and it's just good to be in the company of other fucked up people or if I'm particularly fucked up. Either way, this week, 
I just needed the exercise. That was it. I missed a couple of days of exercise. Didn't get much sleep. Started wallowing in pity. Then as soon as I started working out, I'm like, oh, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. Just needed to, to jog and pick up some heavy objects. And again, I'm not saying that's all every depressed person needs. Obviously, obviously, there's we've all been in darker places than that where working out doesn't help. I just got lucky that I happened to be a whiny little unsweaty baby. And I just needed to be a sweaty baby for a little bit. Sweaty, happy baby. Um, anyway, this is going to be a good show. If you like this show, if you like Jeff, follow him on Twitter. Fi- find Fresh Plays. I'll have the links and stuff. Uh, if you like this show, follow me on the iTunes, Stitcher. Leave a positive rating if you like it. And uh, send me an email at joe at joequint.net. I would love to hear from you. And that and that's it. So so join me. Join me in welcoming Jeff and join me saying the mantra that we have said every episode. Every episode of Choose Your Own Religion, the the deep resonant truth. Ja rule. Oh. But I'll I'll edit. <laughs> I'll edit to a nice segue, but um it is I, it is interesting thinking about uh, yeah just any kind of art I guess it's like whatever you put out there for people to see consume whatever it's like it is just a snapshot of you at that moment in time and then I've always like mm-hmm. I, I usually most times in my life if I look back six months prior I'll be like man I was an idiot six months oh, yeah. ago for I feel that way today about things I felt six months ago mm-hmm. and I'm like. Man, and I, I'm wondering already right now, like, what am I going to think in six months? Yeah. Like, how was I full of shit? <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it comes to art, at least I feel like artists are forever in a cycle of hating the last thing they made. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is a problem, because you usually need to make a living off that last thing. Right. So you're, like, kind of responding sort of to your own self, mm-hmm. like, no, this isn't all me, I also right. do this this way. Um so as far as uh, religion and spirituality, uh, tell me about your upbringing. Like, how were you? My upbringing. Like, uh, I, I I can't remember if you talked about it or you may have brushed upon it in Ryan's podcast. I think probably that was a wide-ranging conversation. But <laughs> yeah. um, I guess the Cliffsnotes version is, do um, you want, like, my whole life? Or you mean just, like... <laughs> your entire <laughs> life. <laughs> well, up- upbringing's a, a broad term, but I guess... Uh, I was I, born and raised in Michigan, uh-huh. uh, very Midwestern, suburban kind of existence. Um, I was raised in a Episcopalian church okay. called Trinity in the Woods. Uh, it was this like little uh, red steepled church in the middle of this forest, in the middle of this woods, uh, and I was baptized there. I... Uh, went to Sunday school there. I went to regular school too, but you know, on, on Sundays went there. My mom actually taught Sunday school for a little while. Uh, they like briefly had a youth group in like my teens for a little bit, but there actually aren't too many youths mm. in that church, or at least there weren't. I think it's growing now. Um, and attended services pretty regularly. Did the whole like uh, acolyting and uh, did readings. Wait, and stuff wait like what, that. what's the acolyting? Oh, that's just like part of the service is like a processional 
Mm. Um, and that needs somebody to like light candles and like set up the communion gotcha, table yeah. and like uh, set up the prayer things. And so basically, I was like, I was I was a, a religious gopher. I was basically just <laughs> right. grunt work, but with a godly twist. Right, so, and it's cute because you're a kid. Yeah. I, oh, I was so goddamn adorable. There's a picture <laughs> of both me and my brother in our robes. Yeah. And it's we're just the cutest little angels. And did you like it as you were doing it because of the attention or? Oh, I no, you hated no, it. No, it was actually a point of contention because um, <laughs> I didn't much see the value in the ritual. Um, I also, as as because I mean, this continued to like my preteen years. So by about like you know age ten. I, it stopped being cool to be cute, so, like, I didn't really appreciate the attention, the, the cheek-pinching attention. Um, and also, like, it was on a rotating basis amongst the youths. Uh-huh. But as I uh, mentioned, there weren't many youths, so often they wouldn't show up, and it was my turn again to just do work, basically, for, yeah. for you know, 45 minutes during the service. Like, I couldn't even, because, I mean, I, I wasn't a huge uh, fan of even just the services in right. terms of their, like, because uh, they're very dry. Um, and so, like, at least if I was in the pews, I could just kind of, like, zone out and just think about whatever, mm-hmm. um, do, like, proto-meditation or whatever that equivalent was as a kid, but, uh, <laughs> if I was accolading, I constantly had to be, you know, on my shit. I had to constantly be looking to, like, make sure right. everything was set up, so it was, like, just the worst of both worlds. It's like I had to be constantly <laughs> present in this ritual I hated, so. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... The way, the way you're describing this church in the middle of the woods and it's like small congregation, mm-hmm. it's like so Norman Rockwellian. Like, yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> yeah. I get like a little nos- like I get a little nostalgia for certain parts of it because there was a sort of like um, again a Midwestern charm to it. It was very um, like uh, Episcopalians in general tend to be, at least uh, from what I've experienced and, and been told tend to be kind of uh, a little more loosey-goosey, a little more like, like they follow a doctrine, but they're kind of like, uh, hey, don't build your whole life around the Bible. Like, it's okay. This is a part of your life. It's a community thing. Um, We think this is important, but like, if I was like struggling to study for a test, nobody would say in the church, like, oh, just pray for it and God will do it. They'd be like, you better hit the book, Sonny. Like, they were very much like, this is just the kind of what we do. So there was like a certain... um, warmth and a certain charm to it because it was uh, a lot of the community aspects of religion without some of the expectations mm-hmm. um you know they were also very accepting of like you know uh, lgbtq and right. different races and like it was very liberal very kind of loosey-goosey while still having kind of the rituals that made it so that it was a regular community sort of thing um so sometimes i get kind of nostalgic for that sort of sense of like shared togetherness totally yeah and that's that's similar to my presbyterian upbringing too in that in terms of philosophy on how to integrate religion and life and how to separate the two and general tolerance and mm-hmm. i know uh i know episcopalians have had uh i believe they've had openly gay priests or allowed mm-hmm. that or bishops or whatever you call them yeah for a while now and i know presbyterians has been 50 years of like female ministers being mm-hmm. allowed and being a thing and it, it is nice just like <laughs> having at least like even if sometimes I bemoan some of the baggage I I grew up with, like, <laughs> like your your Christian like layers yeah. of my understanding, like having to peel back some of that, it is nice. At least I didn't have that extra layer of like, oh, women can't be ministers, right, right, of right. prejudice, right. <laughs> I'm I'm curious, what what baggage are you referring to? Just uh, when I when I I guess when I saying is, um, you know, one interesting thing I think of how my views on of God have evolved now mm-hmm. is that I think sometimes it's. I can automatically default to some of uh, these um, 
the symbolism or these specific like paradigms of thinking about spirituality that mm-hmm. I was raised with, which can be great for you if you like still are into that. But right. then like I sort of have to undo like thinking of God as you know a masculine like guy in the sky right. type a thing. dude up there even though like i don't presbyterians really don't believe in that overall and they, mm-hmm. they've made great lengths to try to remove a lot of the capital h him and yeah. he type language in their stuff but that's it's weird how it still like sneaks itself in there when you think about uh, any kind of protestant religion in my experience mm-hmm. at least um that's all i mean by baggage in that in that sense i see so like you you find yourself framing certain thoughts or theological concepts in the in the strictly presbyterian way when you necessarily you might not necessarily want to to frame them in that or through that lens yeah i mean not as i guess it doesn't happen as much now it's just more of like the stuff i had to work through for a while i see i think uh like one thing i love uh, uh, have you ever read any alan watts are you familiar with his work at all uh i mean i i he was like a hippie dude from britain yeah i I don't think i've read any of his stuff but i've I've heard of him yeah Yeah. one interesting thing he talks about like what he an advantage of being like an agnostic or an atheist is like Uh even at least they don't have sort of misconceptions of god in that way at least they don't have like you know one way they could maybe arguably be closer to god is they don't have a false like kind of idolatry sort of thing going on yeah i mean there's don't get me wrong there's a lot of other stuff they're lacking (laughs) they're lacking too but it's just uh just one thing um so so you grew up you're growing up you're kind of like not into acolyting yeah you were you were were you overall feeling feeling the g's feeling god feeling the g's yeah yeah that's i want a shirt that says that (laughs) feeling Feeling the g's G's. yeah Yeah. uh sort of i think my the whole microcosm of my acolyting experience um sort of speaks to my overall religious thing, which was I was uh, hip with the way it brought people together, mm-hmm. not so keen on the on the ritualization of it. Not that I think there's anything overtly wrong with, with ritual, and I think there's a certain value to it. I know my parents drew a lot of value to it, and it kind of helped them sort of, uh, you know, mark out the day and kind of mark time mm-hmm. and help them to kind of reinforce things. But uh, for me, not so much. I still consider myself a Christian, um, but, you know, as with any... When I was a teenager, as with any teenage thing, you start questioning beliefs, start questioning things. I, um, you know, uh, my brother kind of went full on, like, atheistic, which is the way he is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, in college, flirted a little bit with going to, like, non-denominational Christian churches. Somewhat out of of convenience, too, just because some of the first people I met met happened to be uh, Christians and happened to be part of this church and were very aggressive in recruiting so I went to a few of their services, and the good thing about the services was, was that they were very non-ritualistic. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot, I mean, you know the stereotype, they were like little rock concerts, which you know, right. Christian music, eh, not, <laughs> not always the greatest, but yep. um, at least with these, they were like student bands, so they kind of had like a bit of indie flair to them, and they seemed okay, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and it was better than lighting candles and setting up prayer books as an acolyte, so what right, the hell, right. I stuck with it for a while, but... Uh, part of the problem with that, I started to rub up against some of the, like it was non-denominational, but it was it slowly dawned on me that it was a very different form of Christianity than I was used to. Uh, they were the type of people who would say like, uh, God has a plan for you. If you pray, it'll mm. happen, or you just gotta believe. And they weren't like conservative by any means, but they were also like. Uh, you know, masturbation isn't great, and you know you yeah. should learn to 
uh, turn to God and, and stop lusting and like, uh, you know, gays are cool, but um, if you're not a Christian, chances are you're not going to heaven. And like, uh, I remember at yeah. one point the, the past, like kind of one of the breaking points was this uh, pastor who seemed like a real stand-up guy. He was a nice guy. He was a gentle guy. He was very fun to be around. He gave a sermon where I'm pretty sure he literally believed in like the existence of demons <laughs> and, like, that was, like, a thing where, like, everyone around me is, like, nodding and, like, raising their hands. And I'm looking around, like, y'all, that's crazy, right? Like, that's weird, right? Like, we're, are we not on the same page here? So then I kind of started to, like, yeah. So then, like, I was less feeling the Jesus because I was like, oh, man, is this what it means to be to be Christian now? Yeah. Um, but after a lot of thought, I kind of, I, I, I broke away from, I went on a retreat with them. And that's when things, I t- took a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. And that's when things kind of came to a head. And I got into, I remember I got into a big argument with a few of them about the whole, like, I was like, why can't, why would Gandhi go to hell? That's ridiculous. That's crazy balls. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they were like, uh, because he's not Christian. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I do not contain half of the love that God contains. And if my love would be enough to say, hey, Gandhi, come on over to heaven, why can't he make an exception? Yeah. And they were like, uh, you can't understand God. It's useless. And I was like, that's dumb. Forget it. So I kind of fell away from that and stopped thinking about Christianity so much. Uh, but then in recent times, I read a couple books. I read Love Wins by Rob Bell. All right, all right. And I read another one whose name escapes me. Uh, but it was a Christian scholar writing about interpreting, like, a real back to basics. Like, let's look at the Bible, let's look at the language, and let's really break down what's being said here. And he sort of broke down, like, hey, did you know there's no real mention of hell mm-hmm. in the Bible? Did you know that Satan is kind of actually, like, several different characters? He's, like, the tempter, but he's also, like, the judge. And he's also, like, kind of a God's right-hand guy who's seeing how mortals are doing, like, it's really complicated and weird, <laughs> yeah. and uh, argued for interpreting scripture as more of a literary thing, yeah. and that really helped me break through, because I'm, I was an English major then, and I am a writer now, so interpreting scripture as less of a uh, set of rules and more as a set of stories that maybe have some good lessons right, really helped right. me kind of feel the G's again, as you said. <laughs> um, but I'm still not the sort of person who'd be like, praise Jesus if something great happens. <laughs> or who would argue that, like, just pray more and it'll work out. Yeah, that's, um... It is like, it, it's... You can't really fault people who maybe don't have the... I don't know. They don't approach their spirituality through a highly intellectual lens, but those it does create problems like that when you're like... Mm-hmm. Because you can't really, if you try to argue with them, like logical points, like, well, God, like, there's a, if he's an ultra loving God, hell doesn't make sense. And that, yeah. it's never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, That's also sort yeah. of like when I, I sort of realized that um, a lot, my approach to faith is kind of a pick and choose, and kind of, uh, uh, and I wonder if this is a bad thing. Like, a lot of my faith is more, I feel, is more uh, outlined. By what I don't believe, as opposed to what I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's more of like a weird thing where I'm like, okay, I want to live this certain way. What beliefs should I choose that will help me live this certain way? Yeah. And that's kind of like after this great breaking down of, of feeling the G's. That's kind of where I found myself. Was like, let's reconstruct what we have here. Let's let's go back to just like that book. Let's go back to the basics. Let's go back to like these stories. Yeah. And if everything's open to interpretation, well then let's make some choices. Well, that, how we interpret it. Totally, man. That's that's kind of where I'm at as well, and that's what sort of inspired me to do this podcast in general is mm-hmm. you know but I do debate whether like whether religion a la carte style works <laughs> or not. Yeah. Um one recent challenge to that that was an interesting 
interesting challenge. I, I was at a Quaker meeting uh, a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh, spoke with a guy afterwards who was uh, who was also raised Presbyterian, and then he had a couple, went down a couple of the other spiritual pathways as well. Uh-huh. And he was saying like, you know, one argument against religion a la carte is then it doesn't allow that community as easily. Like one advantage of just picking one religion is that you're going to find another. You're going to find a group of people who also picked that religion, whereas yeah. like trying to construct one yourself can be problematic in that way. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, damn, I guess my podcast is just out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind on yeah. that. But on the other hand, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of us at our age, we, uh, you know, we yearn some that the freedom and, you know, the personal freedom and to choose things and to, to know there's, there's all these different avenues and ways to arrive at truth or at, happiness and love but that they're different for each person so how could i just like none of, none of the individual none of the existing religions seem all that satisfactory yeah to me um that is a good point because we are still very young yeah. um in in the span of a human existence yeah. uh and i think that maybe that's part of the reason why i still label myself as a christian even though i think if you were to actually look at my beliefs it's kind of a weird hodgepodge of a whole bunch of uh, baloney and why <laughs> yeah. i still consider myself a follower i'm doing air quotes yeah as you can't see a follower <laughs> of jesus um because i think uh i do want some feeling of unity and community and also just because i do think that he had some good ideas and that overall sure, kind of yeah. gel with his his worldview so i'm like okay let's use him as a starting point so i can identify with some people well i think too uh, a lot of what a lot of people don't know that um no, when I I tripped and fell into studying religion in college, like, yeah. it was not planned that way at all. But I ended up just being like the most interested in those classes, and mm-hmm. so sort of, like I guess I'm gonna major in this, even though I'm a preacher's kid, and it's so like stereotypical. It seemed it seemed like hacky yeah. for me to major in it, but it's what I was into. But you know, through that study, I, first, like aside from having my like default approach to the Bible torn down, and mm-hmm. I too came to view it as a historical and literary document more yeah. than any kind of spiritual thing and that at first sort of pushed me toward more atheistic bent and then um but you know you learn and you look about all the history of christian thinkers that have not taken the bible literally right and have had these outside the box approaches they were often labeled heretics unfortunately but yeah these people have been around for thousands of years and one thing that you said that reminds me of uh saint thomas aquinas in particular is this whole idea of defining god by what he is not and like mm-hmm. that's the most accurate way he argued to actually know what god like we can't say what god is right any, any positive label you try to put on god is just going to be a limiting thing right like even though maybe god is like this couch or whatever <laughs> like you, you, you say that you're like eh, i don't god is, is not is god that couch too <laughs> Well, if God is, like that's what you say, if God is everything, God is all of us, then he's that couch. But like, yeah, but that doesn't seem that satisfactory right. either. Because then you could break down like, well, God's not this fucking right. couch. Even though it's a great couch. I love this couch. I, I would say if, if any couch were to be God, <laughs> were to be divine, this couch is a it's close a, contender. It's a good start. I don't know if I would go on a crusade for this couch, but you know, right. I might uh, find it on Amazon. I might die for this couch. <laughs> I uh, might give myself for this couch. <laughs> Yeah, the no. cushion of Christ, the but it pillow is, of heaven. It is interesting how so many Christians do struggle. Seem to struggle with this, with putting thinking outside the box of their, of their religion of their Christ. I don't know. Like, it, it seems like anytime you try to like, like I get where a lot of them are coming from for mm-hmm. sure. But and, and you know you don't want to if you start contradicting too many things, and they say, well, what you're talking about is no longer Christianity. But 
I don't know. A lot of them... Yeah, I think it's a constant push and pull. Uh, one thing I am believing even more nowadays, especially working in entertainment, is that uh, no, like the, almost the entirety of human experience and endeavors is to create certainty out of uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like people really, and I understand why, people really, 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 really hate chaos. Like they really, really, really hate uh, uncertainty and randomness yeah, and man. lack of reason. Yep. Um, and I think that's I mean, part of the reason why I think writing and art is valuable is to put narratives to the chaos of the universe. Sure. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's part of the reason why um, thinking outside of the box, quote unquote, is tricky because it's very uh, scary. It's to, chaotic. Yeah, chaotic, yeah. scary. And I mean, the whole point of, or supposedly, you could argue this actually, I'm interested in what you think. One of the points of religion is to be sort of a guiding light or a guide of some sort in your everyday endeavors. And if your guiding light is a shrug and a who knows, then it's like, ah, shit, you're really, you're really up the creek without a paddle, man. Yeah, like, how can you, you don't be know guided by on. that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't be guided by a question mark. I mean, maybe you could. People might say that, like, inquisitiveness is a guide of sorts, but, man, I don't know. It's tough because I, to me, the the not knowing is more truthful than any kind of certainty in a lot of, in a big in a large degree. I, yeah. To me, I get uncomfortable as soon as we label something as true or, you know, it's like two different views on the same event or can both be equally true and people could have the exact opposite yeah. po- point of view on the exact same set of events. And I don't know, it's, we, to me, I get uncomfortable, like, certainty makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know. But you're totally right that like, yeah, that question mark, eh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's an a, yeah. a decent guide. I wonder, I try because I think I find myself in a similar position as you, um, because I don't like the idea of the universe as random uh, or uh, chaotic. Yeah. But at the same time, I also like any time something is is said with 100% certainty, I also, my my reflex is to be like, are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Um, But I wonder if there's a middle ground. And And I try to approach this where like, and I think that's part of why I frame my, my uh, construction of faith as like just making choices is to acknowledge that I'm going to take this on faith. I'm aware I'm taking it on faith. The moment I see com- super compelling evidence that this is the wrong thing, I will drop it. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with this. But then part of me wonders, is that really faith? If I'm so ready to just like throw up my hands and be like, yep, yeah, I was wrong. Is that really faith? Or is that me kind of half-heartedly making concessions? I don't know. I think a lot of, a lot of the people I dig, at least, would say, that, would say that's faith. All right. I think there's a lot of Christians who would be in your corner uh-huh. on that. I think, uh, you know, it's funny, I was, I haven't thought about this song in a, in a while, but it was on my, it popped in my brain this morning, uh, that the, the grand old U2 classic, uh, Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Oh, yeah? And it's like, I've heard it so many times, that it sort of loses its meaning to sure. me after a while, but then, like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, because he goes through, he's like, I still haven't found, like, that's the whole refrain, right. I still haven't found I it. Still like, haven't found he's like, I've done X, I've done Y, I've, like, tried hanging out with angels, yeah. I've tried ha- hanging out with devils, still haven't found what I'm looking for. And it's, like, the part I've always focused on historically when I think of that song is, like, is that yearning, oh, I still haven't found it. It's like, but yeah. then, like, the fact that he's still looking for it, that's maybe, to me, that's the the path of a, of a seeker, of yeah. a spiritual... It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, even though I don't know, and I'll probably never know, I'm still still searching for it i'm still looking for something i don't know yeah to pull things back a little bit this might uh be 
well-trodden ground for your podcast, but I'm just curious. Do you consider yourself uh, agnostic, atheist, uh, just generally spiritual, uh, Christian? What, what do you consider yourself? I would say the closest thing I am right now would be kind of pantheistic. Pantheistic. I would say that's so the you most... Believe, you believe in pans. I love pans. I was man. wondering why there was a shrine in your kitchen with a pan in the center of it. Dude, like... And goat's blood smeared everywhere. But. My ritual is scrambled eggs every <laughs> morning. That um, is a solid-ass ritual. <laughs> no, but, um... I... My my thing is, I guess, I tend to see truth and bullshit in almost every religion out there. Um, Interesting. Every one that I've explored. And that's part of why I wanted to... I want to do this a la carte style. I want to pick and choose as much as I can because uh, none of them are satisfactory and yet the absence of all religion and of God and is not satisfactory either and I, uh, I tend to believe that God we are like God is life like God is the life force that drives us that drives evolution that drives us to want to be better to that moves us towards positivity in some sense with whatever that sense that means to you mm-hmm. in terms of like creation it's whatever that is that is god and we are ex- god experiencing itself trying to understand itself sure that type of stuff and so all of the main religions seem to more or less argue one way or another that the way to do that is to realize that your personal consciousness is not sufficient like you need to get outside you need to realize yeah that there is this world is bigger than the way you individually see it um and so yeah i guess I'm figuring out exactly what that means mm-hmm. to me. Um, so I, I don't think that falls quite in the atheistic camp. However, I do find myself agreeing with a lot of what atheists say. I was going to ask, why, why aren't you an atheist? Because you mentioned, I think previously, like, a, like sort of flirting with atheism. And, I mean, you know, you're saying that you, like, it, they seem to be talking some good sense. So I'm curious why, what <clears throat> stopped you from going full atheist? Or, or did you go full atheist and then pull back? I would say, I guess I went full atheist for a, a brief period, but without, I don't know, you know, at the time you feel like you had fully investigated your, whatever you, be, you always believe at the time you've kind of fully investigated. <laughs> I mean, you're basing it off of what you believe is the best information. Right. Every, any, whoever, whatever your beliefs are on anything, it's like, well, this is based on what I know. Yeah. Um, and so I think, uh, I, I think why I'm not atheist is that. To me, there's, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big, still I'm a big fan of science for sure. Uh-huh. Science to me it, it describes like a lot of the, the how, but not the why. It, it describes a lot of like X does Y, Y, and you know maybe sure. there is a no reason for it per se, but it also is like where do, there's there seems to always be something that science is not able to answer. Like yeah. where does. Uh, like Sam Harris, for instance, his book "Waking Up," he's an atheist, proclaimed atheist. But even he's like, you know, we can't. Science doesn't fully explain consciousness. Like it yeah. explains like the individual parts of consciousness, but it doesn't explain like why all these like dead thing, like these inanimate things, c- come together to create a one single consciousness. Yeah. To me, that's, I guess, what if I had to put if I had to label God anything, it would yeah. be that. But even that doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, that's actually a good point. There's a, a proof that I can't... Uh, shoot, the name's not coming to me. Some famous mathematician published an extremely long proof. I, I probably know which one you're I talking about. I think you about. might... Yeah, we might yeah. be the same. That basically was like, at a certain point, any mathematical 
concept of proof. If you dig down deep enough, at a certain point, you have to accept something on faith for right. it to work. Like it's impossible. Right, right. It's it's logic is not a perfect system because at some point you have to be like we're just we just have to accept certain things yep. on principle. Yep. Because otherwise, this whole house of cards just falls apart. <laughs> right. Which I think is a great great uh, argument for faith. Um, to touch on what you said, so you believe that the brain is the vehicle of consciousness, not the origin. Sure. Yeah. Say? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. It's like again, why does why does evolution happen in the sense like like why does it happen versus not happen? Mm-hmm. You know that type of thing that makes me feel like there's you know and it's just like that again. This is where I, I guess I'm talking about baggage. Whereas like as soon as you label that God, then people yeah. just start thinking, oh, there's like dude in the sky. Like sure. it's almost like an an uh, yeah involuntary like. We call it like you just involuntarily sort of associate it. Sure. So it's like I almost need a different. That's why like using other words like spirit or yeah. Like you want to get away from the old connotations of right. Yeah. But I don't even think like I honest. That's what it was. What weirds me out is I do honestly find myself agreeing with atheists, with agnostics, with and I get, and some people would describe mm-hmm. my views as agnostic too. Like yeah, I I don't really know exactly <laughs> what God looks right, like right. or whatever. Um, that's not the definition of agnostic is right that you don't know what God looks like because <laughs> I don't yeah. know what God looks like you don't know I thought face. it was your couch for a second right but <laughs> pulled that rug underneath my feet right or just don't know because like what the existence of God I mean right to be unsure about that I would be unsure about the, the existence of any specific type of God you, I could, you could name I guess but you do believe in something beyond our perception yeah Beyond a, what, a, I, a, what a, I personally can see. Right, right. A spiritual layer of reality. Yeah, but... I don't know. I, it's... It, it's, uh, it's, tr- it's tricky. Yeah. So not, not to put words in your mouth, but it sounded kind of like... Um, you were saying that like science doesn't explain the why and that faith might offer some... And again, I'm just using faith as a very blanket like belief in a, in a spiritualness beyond our perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, if science is, is the world of our senses and the world of, of reason and logic... Then let's call faith. Faith can have some reason to it, but let's call faith uh, just just belief in something beyond that. Mm-hmm. So, the way you framed it sounded like science answers certain questions, leaves some questions unanswered. Faith, uh, when applied judiciously, can fill in some of those answers and make it possible to function without being paralyzed by uncertainty. Is that kind of? Do you, do you see faith as kind of like a, a a mechanism for filling in some of the blanks in life? Perhaps, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it in that that specific sense. Yeah. I, I mean, a, like you, I guess I, to say I even have faith in one specific form of God would be even stretching it. I'm seeking. I'm still like. You're like Bono. You still haven't found what you're looking for. Still have not found. <laughs> I mean, it's. You know, if I had to believe in anything, I guess that's where it's like some people call it love. Like that's what God uh-huh. God is, and that's it's like. Just figuring it, tapping into that, like, you know, ultimately we all just want to be happy. That seems to be the goal of most human beings: is uh-huh. to reduce suffering and increase pleasure. Whether boy, that's I mean. that's that's a whole can of worms, there, right? Because then it's like, right. is that hedonism, man? Pleasure? Is... Well, like that's that's partially my, you know, that that's factored into some of my thinking too. Is because yeah. I've been more hedonistic for sure at times in my life, and uh, I've not I'm not hedonistic right now. But, and and that's sort of like the paradox that a lot of religion yeah. offers is that hey, by re- 
by disciplining yourself in certain ways, you actually can be happier sure. than endlessly pursuing right. your impulses and your pleasures. That's, uh, I mean, almost all of the religions say it in some way or another, but it's like, uh, I think Sufism has, there's a phrase in it where it's like the outer practices, like the practice, like yeah. the physical, the things you do. It's like the, uh, the glass that like keep, you put over your candle to keep it the wind from mm. knocking it out. Right. And so that's the sort of stuff I'm investigating with right now is like toying around with how these, how does changing my behavior help and restricting myself and disciplining myself again? Right. How does that help? But um, if, if I can just pose a quick, um, I'm genuinely curious, just a thought experiment. If if scientists somehow, hypothetically. Uh, were to publish a paper that's like, hey, by the way, uh, we've definitively uh, proved it. We figured out the origin of human consciousness. It's the brain. Ain't no spiritualness going on in there. Y'all just, y'all animals, um, God is dead. Mic drop, boom. (laughs) How would that, like, like reading that, how would that make you feel? Would you feel like, great, we finally have that answer? I found what I'm looking for? or Or would you be dissatisfied? I mean, the way way you describe it now, I don't imagine myself being dissatisfied Mm. in the sense that, like, I don't feel like that would bother me. Because I still feel like, you know, saying, like, it originates in the brain, there still feels like there's a, there's other question, like, it doesn't, that doesn't feel like the end-all, be-all. Because that consciousness itself is not the, my consciousness, consciousness in general, I don't think is the end-all, be-all. And I only say that because I know how flimsy it is and how easily manipulated it can be. Right. By just, I mean, shit. Just by drugs can sure. change your consciousness. So it's like your consciousness is not capital T truth at any given point of time. Um, I guess what I'm what I'm really trying to ask is like if it was definitively proved that there is no god yeah. uh, of any sort, spirituality yeah. as a whole has, is is again. I think this is impossible. But in our hypothetical question land, yeah, the existence of spirituality is hundred percent proven as false. Does not exist without a doubt. Somehow they've found a way to do this. These scientists are crazy. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, do you feel relieved? Do you feel elated? Do you feel vindicated? Do you feel disappointed? Do you feel despairing? How does that? How would that affect your worldview? You uh, I'd probably go back to uh, trying to be Zen again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just being like, ah, eh, nothing matters. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Well, wait, what's the difference? Okay, maybe I, maybe this is just my own ignorance. What's the difference between Zen and nihilism in that regard? Um, to, I guess there's not, well, it's to some people, there would be no difference to, I see. to others. I, I don't think they're really answering the same question per se. I, I yeah. think, uh, I mean, I, there's anytime you try to say what Zen is, you kind of say what it's not. <laughs> it, it's, oh, it's, it's one not, of those philosophies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, arguably it's kind of like God in that way, right? Oh, yeah. Like the Tao or it's just like trying to label it as soon as you try to label it you're going to just get farther away from it by trying to label it it's like yeah so but i when i was going through when i was the most into zen that i was it was kind of like this is all there is like uh-huh. trying trying want to trying to either avoid it or grasp it is going to just take you farther away from it so yeah. you just have to sit with it whatever it is oh man that sounds frustrating. It is. It's, <laughs> it's annoying. Um, I, I'm curious how you, because uh, I, I have different takes on it, and I'm yeah. curious on yours. Like, what do you feel like is a connection between art and God and, and spirituality? Like, how do you feel like art plays into all this as uh, an expression of 
Is it an expression of spirituality? Is it just something that you like construct? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that my vocation and my um, passion for arts and artistic expression and stories and narratives and all that uh, frou-frou nonsense, <laughs> I think that informs a lot of my spirituality because I feel like a lot of... Perversely, I feel like a lot of my faith justifies my work and vice versa. Uh, because I believe that humans are spiritual beings. I believe there is, as the brain is the vehicle of consciousness and not the origin, I believe there is a certain something, a certain connection, a certain soul. It's a weighted term. There's a lot of baggage and a lot of connotation to soul. But let's say there's a certain soul, a certain spirit that exists in all of us that is connected to our fellow man and connected to the greater God, which I agree with you is not a separate entity of a bearded man in outer space looking down mm-hmm. at us disapprovingly, but is existence god is everything and the soul he is the spiritual realm and our soul is connected is the is the bridge between the spiritual realm and our physical bodies uh and understanding in my in my view science is very good for understanding natural forces and causes um but the more i read just about psychology and the more i just observe i feel like people go off of almost innate emotions, instincts, and beliefs more often than they go off of logic or reason, even if they profess to be 100% logical and reasonable. I mean, hell, just look at the internet. It's full of people claiming that this is 100% logic and reason, but what it really is is that I have an emotional reaction, and then I'm going to work backwards and try to justify it with reason. So in my mind, a lot of human experience is based off of what we're feeling, and I feel like that feeling is also our kind of connection to our spiritualness and our soul because a lot of times when we're most in tune with each other is when we're feeling some sort of empathy and feeling some sort of understanding and that's how our souls kind of interact and how we feel that connection into God is through empathy and through feeling uh, and I think one of art's greatest accomplishments is that it allows us to embrace that side of us to feel and to empathize with characters and with each other and to consider that in a safe space um, without you can you can think about the despair and empathize with the despair of a mother losing her child without you actually having to be a mother losing her child and that empathy will strengthen your connection to your soul to your feeling and to each other through that so i think that that's the importance of art is to the the greatest art engenders some feeling of connection and empathy even if it's a bad feeling i mean people get scared together but that's still a feeling of, of almost empathetic like we're in this together we're all terrified of this Let's deconstruct and analyze this because it's still important to, to think it through, but it's important to acknowledge that the first thing is the feeling and then you can try to deconstruct it. So I think that's what art does magnificently that science is maybe less equipped to do, but science is still useful for like building a bridge. I wouldn't want you to build a bridge off of feeling like whatever your gut <laughs> yeah. tells you the bridge is just go with it. I'm sure it'll be fine. Hot damn, dude. That was such a great, that said it so much better than I could have possibly formulated the words, man. Let's do a no, that, that was awesome, man. Like that's, yeah, fucking a, and like, <laughs> and now I, and that's what makes me feel better about your like your inquisitor your uh your inquisitor status to me earlier. <laughs> oh, sorry, like, I we're, we know because we're like, oh, we're actually on the same page, but like it's good to like call me out on yeah, like, well, on stuff. But uh, I, I get excited because one thing, um, I mean, we mentioned the um, sort of the community aspect of of if you choose a. If you choose a established again, I'm doing your quotes. Yeah. I really need like some sort of sign or like a voice, like Bing. established, yeah, <laughs> uh, established religion. Part of the benefit is that you are 
allowing yourself into a community of people who share the same values, which is important in right, the community. Right, right, right. Um, but it's kind of a weird thing where I like the community of religion, but I always get very cagey and uncomfortable when religion is brought up in a social context. It's very strange. And that's part of the reason why I got uncomfortable when people uh, at the non-denominational church were always like, if I was like just hanging out with them, and I was like, ah, shit, man, I got a, a break up with my girlfriend. It's going to be real hard. If they were like, well, just talk to God and let him sort of, I'm like, yeah. nope, we're not in God's time. <laughs> this Can't is... <laughs> talk about it now. But it's always God's time. Yeah, that's the thing, though, is that I feel like weirdly <laughs> like a person's faith is a is an intimate thing yeah. and is a personal thing. It's almost like discussing just sex openly. Like in certain contexts, yeah. sex is fine. I weirdly, and I don't understand this, I'd weirdly be all right talking to you about sex on a podcast or in like a, a space marked to do that. But like... The, and, we, and we have before. And we have before, yeah. <laughs> but the idea of like just bringing up God like over over uh, brunch or like first thing in the morning, it's like, whoa, nope. Hey, we are not yeah. in that area. So what that the the long-winded point of this uh, tangent is that um, I get very excited when I am in a space. Like I perversely want to discuss faith all the time, but also don't. So when I'm in a space that like uh, you know l- allows for that to happen, I'm instantly like, oh man, just tell me, tell me everything that what yeah. you think because I want to figure this out. Dude, that explains so much of. Uh my failures at parties over the years when I have. Oh, yeah? <laughs> because I am known as a guy who it's like three beers in, he'll start talking about death and uh-huh. and the great the greater meaning of life and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And yeah, totally. I, I, people definitely get uncomfortable doing that. I just, it's so strange. I had to stop doing that because I'm, I'm like, yeah, don't... Like, that's all I want to talk about. Like, how yeah, are we yeah. not always talking about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, I always... It's, it, it's like, again, with talking about sex, I feel like there's always a weird unspoken like handshake that has to happen before it's cool to just talking about like yeah like you can't just be like so how's your sex life that's a weird thing to say to somebody like on the sure, sure that's a strange thing to open with i think too uh what it, re- it both of those conversations because what we're talking about whether it's religion or sex or we could talk about other things too it's like yeah they're so your views are going to be so personalized and so emotionally driven one way or the other mm-hmm. that both parties sort of have to have a pretty tolerant view they either have to align perfectly with their beliefs so that it's like, oh, hey, you uh, you like this thing? Right, oh, hey, right. I like that thing too. Hey, yeah. great. We, we're two guys who like that thing. Hey, whatever. <laughs> Forget about it. Or you have to just be two people who are very willing to just like, hey, cool. Like that, I don't, that kink doesn't do it for me. Right. But uh, I respect that you have that feeling and yeah. that's cool. And like, because I think so many people, like they're, they tend to, in some part of us sort of, shut off like that acceptance and that sure. makes it, or they are afraid of being judged mm-hmm. for, for their religion or for their their sexual proclivities yeah. and uh, I think that's what makes people be like uh, yeah. why are we talking about this and I, I just realized it's so strange but like a great concrete example of how weird this context thing works is that just last uh, uh, practice we did for improv mm-hmm. uh, we did like a really uh I mean, you already know this, but for the benefit of the listener, we did a really, like, hippy-dippy kind of, like, group mind exercise <laughs> where we all just kind of, like, started making improvised sounds and had to turn it into a song of sorts. Um, and during our, like, little song rendition, like, it got kind of a gospel flavor to it. Yeah. So when I was uh, uh, doing, like, some weird vocal stuff, I was using the phrase, like, oh, Lord, like, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, like, immediately afterwards, our coach was like, 
oh, are you religious? And, like, asked me. And, like, y'all were, like, you, Joe, and all of the improvers, I would probably be all right discussing religion with you almost any other time, like, at a podcast. But the moment, like, our coach called me out, and I was like, huh, what? Uh, I, I guess I'm kind of religious, huh? Christianity, huh? I was raised, uh, like, yeah. shut down. Like, ah, oh, what are you, why are you challenging yeah. me on this? I didn't mean it. I Good. didn't mean it. It's like, uh... Peter when the cock crowed three times. Yeah, exactly. And the cock crowed three times on Except you. I don't think our coach would have killed me if he found out <laughs> that I was a Christian. I think we're beyond that. I hope. I don't yeah. know. I didn't give him a straight answer, so maybe if I was like, yeah, he would have been like, great, my cross is in the trunk. Let's, let's mount you. Let's get you up there. It can feel that way. I, I've definitely done versions of that in other contexts, too, with uh, even just being like spiritual or whatever. Like mm. In the context of the like an artistic community, you feel like it's, a, it's ghost to believe right. in any kind of god. Yeah, that is true. I Man, I hope there is. Because like, like that question of um, if you found out definitively there is no god, yeah. how would you feel? I, man, I don't know how I would deal with that. Like, I think that, like, I hate the idea of nothingness and of, like, meat space being the only space. Like, that just, ugh, I don't know why. Yeah. Just, like. No, it, it would, it does, it would bother me on some level. I also think that that hypothetical scenario is not likely to happen. Like, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I hope not. It almost seems like it would be impossible in some sense to be like, no, we've closed off all other possibilities. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, like, I almost, I almost would rather find out that, well, I actually, here's an interesting question. Would I rather find out that heaven and hell are real? Like, as, like, the mythological heaven and hell, so heaven being eternal bliss if you're good, hell being demons, hellfire. Would I rather find out that that's real or find out that none of it's real? Would I, would I rather find out that death leads to a eternal judgment of either suffering or bliss? Or would I rather yeah. find out that death leads to nothingness? So you, you would almost prefer hell to nothingness. See, that's the question, that's the right? Question, because right? on one hand, I mean, I'm narcissistic enough to believe that I would get into heaven, but uh, <laughs> the idea, I mean, this part of the reason why I fell out with that non-denominational church is the idea of any human crime leading to eternal suffering. Man, I don't even know, uh, I don't even know if I could think of one that would, eternal suffering? That's a freaking it's a long, long time. time to suffer. Yeah. And, I, and I tend to... Um, I have maybe too rosy of a, because I believe in empathy as one of our greatest uh, endeavors as a human being, I tend to have what some might call an overly rosy or charitable view of human nature. And so I tend to ascribe like, uh, and this might make me an awful person, but I tend to be like, if there is some psychopath who's doing terrible things to be like, but how did society wrong him to get him where he is right now? Like what, maybe he was just scared or suffering or really tortured. And on one hand that like. I believe that, again, I'm trying to empathize. I'm trying to do something good. But on the other hand, it's like, boy, maybe evil exists. I don't know. Um, but even then, it's like, it's, man, it's, hell? I don't know if they deserve hell. It's like such a, uh, I'm not, without, there's no value judgment on this at all. Uh-huh. But, like, that, that's a, that's kind of the liberal approach to, like, societal problems. Oh, like, it is, the Empathizing yeah. is the figuring out how did society do wrong. But then sometimes, this is where I'm, like, there's, I hate to say it, sometimes I see where conservatives are coming from, where it's like, okay, maybe we don't have to say they're, that people are evil per se, but they, people certainly do evil actions or mm. do harmful actions towards others. 
and we do have to have some systems in place to be like, ah, don't like we have to punish oh, yeah. it in some form. Sure, no, I, I believe know? in I believe in I don't believe in the death penalty, but I do believe in like I'm not going to say like just let the psychopath run free because you know we <laughs> we don't him. understand. It's really our fault. Yeah, it's right. really our fault. Really, we should be in prison. Not yeah, I don't think most liberals would. Yeah, no, would I don't believe that. Either. But yeah. um, like that's kind of the compromise I've made is to ascribe evil to actions instead of to people. Yeah, to totally. say that there are good and evil actions, but um, people are uh, I, generally trying to do good yeah i think that's how we have to view it in terms to have any kind of accountability Mm -hmm. we can't because we can't say i have no accountability but we also don't we don't want to be draconian with every single thing or we don't want to be damning of a of a single spirit you know yeah um but i keep testing myself like my my parents actually believe i had this discussion with them recently they're super liberal uh people but they do believe in evil as a as a force, mm-hmm. as like something that is tangible and that you can touch, and that there are there is wickedness. I don't know if they've ever condemned a person as evil per se, but they do believe it as something that exists outside of us and outside of our actions as a, as a force. And um, I, we mentioned, we spoke about this briefly before the podcast, but like I am somebody who writes a lot of like horror and like thriller and like tales of people who are being really wicked. And I feel like that's almost me testing myself of like, can I can like, how do I deal with this problem of evil? Because I do believe that humans are empathetic creatures yeah. and I don't believe in a hell. And I don't necessarily believe in sin as a force or as like a substance, but there's just some shit. There's some blackness in, in the human world that you just, it's almost easier to just be like, there's evil. Like I can't explain it. So it's just, it's gotta be evil. I can't yeah. figure this out. Otherwise, I don't know, evil, that's, talk about can of worms, that's a giant can yeah. of worms, and, uh, you know, it's, to me, sometimes it feels like there's almost, like, a percentage, like, of how much, quote, evil is in your, <laughs> like, how much evil is a, is a person tapped into it, how much right. is a single person being affected by evil, and, you know, I think a lot of, like, a lot of when you think of evil, you think of, maybe it is, like, chaotic, or it's entropy, or it's, like, Interesting, it's causing it's breaking things down instead of the hard work to build things up because it's so much easier to destroy shit than it is to the act of building something. Yeah, you can build like like a uh, like a house of cards, right? Hat, yeah. <laughs> or, or a jenga. Like it's so right, easy right. to knock down a jenga thing, but and that seems to be who knows how any kind of force of evil right. interacts with that or not. So knocking over a Jenga tower, how like what percentage, what percentage of evil would that increase in my heart? Is that like I a mean, 10% thing? Or like... Well, if you built it yourself, it's just self-sabotage. Oh, okay. And then it's just your it's tragic... Like a, uh... yeah, yeah, it's flagellation. It's a weird inverse <laughs> of masturbation. Yeah. Right. So uh, destroy my own tower. So one thing I wanted to ask you too is, uh, so in terms of art being a sort of a, uh, a way to uh, help the empathy process yeah, with exploration humanity. and expression of right. uh, spiritualness spiritualness spirituality and empathy yeah yeah so there is some spiritualist thing going on there yeah. um so in that you strike me as somebody who has a lot of discipline in terms of your how you approach art like you seem you seem like somebody who has a pretty good regimen of like I do it x amount of hours a day or I do x amount of pages well thank you I try yeah, yeah. um i mean i Sort of, like, I, t- I try to schedule it out, and I tend to, like, write every other day and try to exercise every other day. And, like, I have a regiment, but, I mean, man, sometimes I'll just look at the page and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I'd really just rather, like, just play video games or, right. like, read something. And sometimes I'll force myself to write just because I have to. Um, yeah. But it, 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 I guess I'm vaguely regimented. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, like, a freaking, um, 
what's his face? German writer. I forget what it was. There's there's a famous Thomas Mann. Okay. I think that's who it was. Famous German German writer who had like a very 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 strict like regiment and like it was once I think he made I might be butchering the story but he made his it's such an interesting story to me. He made like his daughter had like a very uh, also had to like take care of him and had to like do very 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 specific things. <laughs> and so like his Christmas present to her once was that he like broke his routine and like had dinner with her or something but like like she didn't realize what it was because like it seemed like a human thing but he was so regimented like to him it was a big sacrifice like, yeah it was an yeah. undertaking to like stop writing early to like That's enjoy so a second helping of meat or something I've, the yeah. story's actually fascinating so I'm not quite to that extreme but I do uh, feel like setting standards standard, setting goals and, and times for yourself helps yeah so, so i guess with, well but yeah within that um i guess within that context then do you have any kind of rituals that you like with your writing process like even though we sort of a lot of us we reject some of these early rituals that we kind of felt forced into have you do, yeah. you do you have any yourself with your writing or is it just kind of like is your ritual just i sit down and i write or is it like do you have like a i make the coffee yeah. i i set the music i you know i get up i i mm-hmm. change out my trash right right yeah that's interesting the idea of um as much as I push against ritual, inventing rituals of my own. Um, sort of. I guess it's weird because, again, the common wisdom that I have at least read for, for writers, especially for screenwriters, is that especially since you might be brought onto set to write or you might be traveling and have to write, that it's best not to have too many rituals for writing because that really constricts... It becomes a crutch. It becomes a way yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. If there's one thing that I feel like is universal to all writers and probably artists too, I can't speak for all of them, is procrastination is such a big part of the process. Like, it just oh, yeah. is. Yeah. Everybody just... It, it Once you get going, it's easier, but, like, yeah, that initial yeah. hump of, like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and just pour myself out here. Mm-hmm. Like, that initial hump is so hard that as soon as you start tacking on things that uh, you need to do to do that, like, it becomes easier and easier and easier to procrastinate because it's like, oh, I'm out of coffee. I can't make my coffee, so... Yeah. But there are... I mean, I will admit... As a human, there are certain things that I like to make coffee before I write. I like to listen to, I'll listen to some mood music before I start writing the section. And then usually what I'll do, what I find easiest is that I'll reread, I'll read what I just wrote like yesterday or last mm. time I, I wrote. I'll edit that and that's kind of like my running start into like writing new stuff. Because that's a bit easier for me to like edit stuff that I've written than it is to create stuff out of whole cloth. Sure, so yeah, that yeah. kind of like gets me in the groove. Um, but I do try to like shy away from like I need to have my light such and such I need to have my <laughs> right. chair such and such because um, and I uh, just because it's so easy to procrastinate then yeah do you think procrastination is evil <laughs> do I think it's evil <laughs> maybe maybe that's the real the real force the, of evil yeah preventing you from empathizing yeah oh god around. yeah maybe that's it the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to get me to watch <laughs> transparent instead of right <laughs> god damn man it's uh yeah, I've I've definitely I've gone. Have you ever read uh, Stephen Pressfield's uh, War of Art? War of Art? No, yeah. I haven't. What is that? He, he kind of ref, he kind of creates this kind. Con- well, it's you know, Art of War is the classic one by Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu, yeah, right. Uh, which I've also read in a great book. But uh, you've read Sun Tzu's Art of War? Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, not in the original Chinese, <laughs> but uh, still, that's that's a heavy tome. That's a. It's it's honestly it's a pretty short book. Uh, it's, oh really? Yeah. It's it's and it's like. It's generic enough that like you can sort of end up applying it to lots of parts of your life, but uh, that's what makes me nervous. Yeah. Now, now I know that you're a tactical genius. So, oh, <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that is not <laughs> the case. Uh, Sorry, you were saying. But anyway, Art of War is a great, great book just about uh, 
about the writing process and uh, like if you if you, wait, you mean War of Art. Sorry, yeah, War of Art. Okay, I was right. gonna say, wait, Art of War is about the writing process. <laughs> Holy shit, I know nothing about this book. <laughs> yeah, I was totally misled. Yeah, Sun Tzu published a couple of screenplays. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> He's like, let me tell you what. <laughs> um, anyway, War of Art it was by the guy who wrote Bagger Vance, the screenplay, a novel, I think, and screenplay version. Yeah. Of it. Anyway, I've heard of Bagger Vance. Uh, he just talks about like fighting procrastination and where he calls capital R resistance as like this force mm. of evil and he just kind of goes through each step like he basically yeah. like makes the case for how it's a force of evil and different tactics you can yeah. take to knocking it down um, in a way now that I think yeah. about it in a way I think I might sort of believe that because I do tend to view most evil acts as coming out of fear yeah um, and procrast- man if procrastination is not just fear then what else, what else is, is it? so if I were to yeah. be super reductionist which there's an, a certain appeal to being reductionist because it makes things simple uh, but if I were to be super reductionist I could say all evil is is fear therefore uh, then uh, procrastination is evil so yeah. quid pro quo uh, procrastination is literally Hitler. Um, <laughs> I, you know, but then I, I've been in stretches of life where it's felt like that to me, and then it seems like I get then the opposite of that is you get stressed out, you get too like I don't know, you get I at least I get too stressed out, or I like idolize what mm-hmm. I'm doing too much. I don't know, it gets weird. Yeah, it's, that's that's very true. You got to take breaks, I guess. But then when, <laughs> when it's taking a break, a version of procrastination, yeah, who knows. Um, all right, so with all the, these questions in mind, we have, um, let's let's choose your own religion. Jeff. Okay, let's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to help you, as is the premise of this podcast. Well, golly, since we're doing Mr. Quinn, <laughs> since we're doing this a la carte. <laughs> um, all right, so if we're building this from the ground up, sure. What's our uh, what's our God structure look like? Do we have is it one God that sort of the spiritual as you, you you kind of nailed it in your earlier answer oh thank you with uh what you what you feel and what i feel about what god is this kind of essence yeah one of one us. of the things yeah. that really clicked into place for me when i was in the whole like man maybe christianity ain't so great uh phases was that i realized that things fit so much better in my head if i didn't view god as a separate agent and entity from the universe so i viewed god as the universe yeah which is a lot of what early um what a lot of biblical texts can be interpreted as and, and can say, like the whole idea of the kingdom of heaven is now. It is right. here. It is not a place in the clouds. You are in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven or hell can be here. Right, exactly. Motherfuckers, yeah. you are creating your own yeah. heaven or hell. That, like, because a lot of the problems I struggled with was, like, if God is all-powerful and benevolent, why is there evil? If God is all-powerful right, right. and benevolent, why is there a hell? This yep. doesn't make sense. But as soon as I viewed God and all these things not as separate entities but as an all-encompassing whole, I was like, oh, okay, that solves a lot of things when somebody's hurting god is hurting when somebody's happy god is happy yeah that makes so much more sense cool and uh so our and within that and kind of what we talked about our overarching ethos maybe of this religion would be empathy empathy is king yeah empathy is king empathy is god godliness um and one thing one thing i want to stress though uh for for my own personal view is that (laughs) a lot of some new agey type stuff rubs me a little bit the wrong way because a lot of um, and some, I guess, regular AG type stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. there, there, there's a discourse that uh, tends to value the idea of complete sublimination of the individual self to a greater power. And while I think that's nice, and one could argue that's an ultimate expression of empathy, I tend to like the idea better of the paradox of being the same yet separate. Sure, the idea yeah, that yeah. empathizing, a key component of empathy is to acknowledge that 
you are not literally feeling what the other person is feeling because that would just be like a synthesis. That's not empathy. That's yeah. uh, uh, replication. Yeah. So the idea that you are not synthesis, that the ultimate expression of humanity and of spirituality is not synthesis. It's not, I don't want to be the Borg. All of us, even if the Borg is nice, I don't want it. Even if it's a nice Borg. <laughs> Great Borg. Yeah, even if it's a it's a pleasurable Borg, I don't want uh, to be the Borg. I want us to be retain our individual perspectives, but with the ability to completely empathize with another, another individual. I don't know if that's possible because it's kind of a paradox, but I kind of like the idea. I that's love, to strive for. I love that idea too, and that's something I sh- – that specific thing is something I've struggled with probably in the, even in the period that you've known me is this mm. idea that uh, – because I've gone back and forth too, like how much, and it kind of it's the road to codependency too. If you're not careful, yeah, of, of like, oh, that their needs above my needs, exactly. type of thing. But then there's your needs are not going to be advocated for. You know, there has to be like every, if everybody is like on the same page of like we're all equally important. Uh-huh. But then that you have to sort of speak out to like what you're feeling and what you're seeing. And that's right. why, that's why I just watched Inside Out this past week. <laughs> Just bawled my eyes. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I've been I've been hiding my sadness too much, man. Talk about a uh, a, a story that, en- yeah, that engenders <laughs> empathy that, that, is, that makes empathy king. That so. is the empathy movie. I would argue that it is a very spiritual movie. Yeah, in uh, that regard. Oh, it totally totally is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we have God is the spirit. There's empathy is king. Yep. Type of religion. What do we have as far as rules go? What What would you like as far as any kind of? Is there certain behavior they're kind of any general ethics can we dance can we have sex (laughs) can we dance no no i hate dancing it's super awkward i'm not very good at it so dancing dancing is verboten verboten no dancing cool yeah uh so i don't i'm not a fan of rules i'm more of a fan of guidelines joe um i guess i mean we did talk a little bit about how uncomfortable ritualistic certainty makes me yeah so i would say that um and again as soon as you put down rules and morality you believe you have to start contending with evil so i do believe i don't believe in complete moral relativism meaning that i don't think that uh the goodness or badness of an action is is only dependent upon its context Mm. i'm fairly i can say almost 100% certainty that throwing an innocent child onto the fire is a bad thing. Right. Now, of course, you could always counter and say, what if the child was the devil? Or right. what if... Whatever, well, fuck. But what, what if I'm that saying, child puts out the fire? Yeah, exactly. What if you need... The, what, if it's, what if it's people. a huge-ass child full of water and you're in a burning building? <laughs> All right, fuck you. The point is, I believe that there are certain... That there is a, a way to live life optimally or to complete goodness. And the way to do that is to go towards empathy and the way to go towards understanding and to go towards love. And that being the case, I do think, again, I don't think that people can be evil or maybe not good. I think I tend to view people as uh, good unless circumstance, unless something happens that prevents them from achieving that. Um, that there's no such thing as an evil human, but there might be something as a broken human. I think all of us are kind of broken, but as a uh, malfunctioning human. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that, I guess if there are rules, it would just be... Uh, again, more of like principles or guidelines of try to keep moving towards empathy and understanding. That's the goodness you should strive toward. Try to stay away from things that engender fear, which shuts down empathy or can shut down empathy. Because like I said, there's something weird about a horror movie that allows us to kind of empathize with each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just generally speaking, fear tends to shut down empathy. 
uh, intends to stifle that sort of understanding. So try to move away towards fear. Try to ma- move away towards things that uh, block or, or kill or destroy empathy. Um, and that's kind of the general rules or principles, I guess. So dancing's fine. Sex is fine as long as it's consensual. Right. Because, you know, sex, you're literally becoming one yeah. physically. So it's, it's a pretty empathetic, hopefully, it's a pretty empathetic experience. Just don't um, be afraid of sex. That's right, right, right. Sex is not... <laughs> Well, it is That's scary the because Don't be it's afraid a risk. Of it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are humans, so we're going to be a little afraid. But the less fear there is in sex, the better. I think we can agree. Sure, yeah. The less scared you are during sex. That's a, that's always been my experience. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want fear. Sex is not good sex. <laughs> um, okay. Genuine fear. Sex. Cool. So we yeah. got some got some good guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any kind of text? Do we have any kind of old books that we're going to refer to? Any modern ones? Whether. Jesus had some cool things to say. He also had a kind of political dy- dimension that I'm seeing more and more, which um, some might not be comfortable with. Like, I'll acknowledge that I'm not the greatest of giving up everything I have to the poor and moving on. <laughs> right. So I don't know how literally you want to adhere yourself to his teachings, but his bullet points were pretty neat. Um, and I guess <laughs> yeah. I would say if you are going to follow his teachings of the Bible, I would recommend those two books. I would recommend Love Wins by Rob Bell, and I would recommend... Um, that other book that I can't name. Maybe I can look it up and send it to you. Yeah, the, so other, you can the other book we can't It's something like Talking Christian or Speaking Christian. It's the idea of, like, this guy who's like, man, fundamentalists have gone crazy with literalism, so let's yeah. let's turn back the clock and let's, let's all right, you want to interpret let's, this shit literally? Let's see what it literally says and see what we right. can, can glean from that. Right. Um, so I'd recommend that, that just because, again, that's less of a scripture and more of a, like, hey, this might help you think less rigidly about things and start to realize how much of it is interpretive. Um, and why cool. the Bible is art. So, yeah. So we got like a, we'll have like a cliff notes of like the gospel. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> like a few, a few bullet points. Uh, suggestions. Suggestions, <laughs> yeah. Um, don't kill is pretty, pretty good. I think. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, like sometimes I, I try to think is there, is, is there a time when killing is justified? And I think, again, I, I find my compromises to split it into actions. Yeah. So the act of killing is bad. The act of saving a person is good. Right. So if you kill to save, I guess it's kind of neutral. It balances out, but yeah. I try not to view it as, and again, this might just be me being a, a weak-ass liberal and compromising. Uh. <laughs> not taking a stand and saying, oh, it's both. Yeah. But uh, I guess that's kind of how I view it. So don't kill. With asterisks. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're going doing more good by killing but even then acknowledge that killing's a bad thing and should be celebrated ever pretty yeah. much yeah i think that's even that's like what isis has i think provided us even the more liberals uh, of us were kind of like yeah i think it's probably okay to try to kill people who are going who are very intent yeah. on killing other people but i think the i think the, the the reason why i view it like this is because i think that you can fall into the trap of, of, of glamorizing and glorifying yeah, violence yeah. as soon as you if you start viewing it as a, as a net good um, then you start getting into the risky part of, of turning the violence itself into a, a, a instrument for good yeah we're right back into the crusades yeah, yeah. yeah exactly exactly yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't like that so I would say that um, fighting ISIS is evil saving people is good so it's a necessary so, evil but yeah. every time we should be and this you know it might give me hot water but we should be Anytime a suicide bomber blows himself up, it's a tragedy both that he killed innocents, which is horrific, but also that somebody in their life was driven to this. That something yeah. happened, there is a certain tragedy that something happened that in this universe that that was viewed as a necessity by him. Yeah. And I like to believe that in a different time, a different place, he might not have been pushed to that. Totally, man. Um, I, I, I think it's, 
it's so hard to empathize with that and like it's to, so hard and people will get mad probably at that or i don't know i i find myself empathizing i, I mean this is again something that might get me in hot wire too but like the whole any kind of uh, mass shooting mm-hmm. i don't even want to say a specific one because then once we put specifics on it then you really start getting emotional and mad about yeah, it yeah also like, the sad part is it gets dated because it's too right. fucking many of them yeah exactly there's already gonna be three more since we record this Ugh. um I mean, obviously, the main... The first one is the completely innocent people. That's my first priority of empathy. Um, But then, yeah, you think, what did drive... Like, what kind of hell was that person in? Exactly. Nobody who commits those is in a happy place. Right, right. Fucking nobody. Yeah. And that is a tragedy, too. And, um, unfortunately, a tragedy that begets (laughs) and causes yeah. a greater tragedy spirals a whole lot that, that shit is sticky yeah it's got a gravity to it um and th- another thing too it's like about I, I read uh in the Bhagavad Gita which is the Hindu text yeah one interesting take they have I, I still I've not fully I don't know if I'm fully into this either but like this idea that like being a fighting for good like being a warrior killing for good they're, in their sense, they can they, they can justify it in the sense that like we're all dead anyway. <laughs> like whether whether you are like you are merely the instrument of their their person right, dying, right. and so if you are in the case, let's say in the case of ISIS, if you are put put like ending a force of evil that's trying to kill other people, yeah. then maybe it's good. It's a wash. I'm sure Hindus are gonna be like that's not what it fucking <laughs> means. But anyways, <laughs> you get a lot of Hindu hate mail. A lot of, I mean, they're my biggest fans. <laughs> Um, okay, so what's uh, what if any kind of worship service would we like to see in in this religion? Oh boy, you're really pu- putting screws to me. Um, like just bullet points of things that we could have. Do we have music? Do we have any kind of mass prayer? Do we have any kind of like moments of like uh, contrition of like apologizing? Mm-hmm. Um, where do we worship? Like, what... <laughs> lots of apologizing. Just yeah. apologize for anything uh, <laughs> and everything, because you know it's probably your fault. Um, boy, so uh, I feel like I'm almost in a transitional phase right now because uh, vis-a-vis rituals. Um, because on one hand, I do view faith as something very personal and something very um, intimate and something that is going to be so. Because I value unique perspective, again, I don't want sublimination, I don't want synthesis, I don't want the elimination of an individual. Um, Because I value the idea that your faith is something that's going to be sort of unique to you, my initial reaction is uh, no services. If you want to hang out and talk about this shit, great. If you'd rather keep it to yourself, okay. But... (laughs) Um, again, I do find myself more and more, and maybe this is just something that happens when you get older and start to really want a kind of comfort, a kind of nice God couch to lay across. Um, you kind of want that comfort. I do start getting nostalgic for like, oh, it was nice. There was a place that I would just go and I could just kind of be in this sort of Zen, uh, maybe not Zen. I might be using that wrong because it's not nihilist. But but we know know the term. Yeah, the sort of like meditative, this sort of like peaceful, quiet, when I wasn't being an acolyte which was a hassle so i guess that's no acolytes uh <laughs> no, acolytes. no acolytes in these for sure yeah but like the idea of being in a space with people who you're cool with yeah all just kind of vibing and thinking about the same thing and maybe having certain rituals to just keep everything sort of focused so you kind of just don't want the pressure of like feeling like you have to do it per se i guess so yeah because there's a certain niceness to community 
but at the same time, my my accept, my comfort with religious discourse is so context dependent. So I'm not sure because there also is like I don't know. There's a nostalgia and a sadness too. Like I always think about this is so weird and specific, but I always think about the like uh, what's that material? Like the mesh, not styrofoam. Like the material cubicles are made out of. Um. Like that. God, I wish I knew. I that think they were of made that material. They had like <laughs> yeah. our, the church, like cough, like the room that was like where we had like our, our get-togethers after service was like partitioned yeah. by these like cubicle esque. I know you're talking about that were yeah. very mobile. Yeah, and I always yeah. think about them for some huh. reason. Like there's a certain like comfort to like that sort of structure yeah. and that sort of like softness because they aren't yeah. harsh, they're not metallic. But there was also sort of a weird. They were kind of stained and kind of frayed, and there was a certain <laughs> like surrender to them and a certain like uh uh i don't know frail i don't i just i find myself thinking about them and like that weirdly that like that feeling that thinking about them gives me gives is that same like feeling of like a community but also of like um not surrender but also sort of like that idea of like you are kind of giving up a part of yourself part of your uniqueness to be a part of this very old institution yeah and there is and again maybe it's because i'm young and maybe as i'm getting older um i'll be less weirded out about institutionalizing things but that ritual and institution still leaves that kind of like idea of a surrendering of a part of yourself Mm -hmm. to this greater whole Um, and because I'm so narcissistic and so (laughs) self-centered I do worry about that because I'm a unique individual and my view matters and I don't want to give that up yeah so does that long-winded spiel answer the question I guess I think so I guess I don't know I guess have a few rituals if you want to but don't if you don't want to it's, uh, I think that might be one of the key things I think that, not to uh, lump all of our generation, our millennials into one box for sure, <laughs> not definitely not to do that, but I think it is like we do have a strong sense of individuality, perhaps a stronger sense of individuality that borders on narcissism than maybe previous generations just because yeah. of our internet kind of upbringing and because of our various other reasons or social media being all over the place. We all have, sure. we all have a specific context like we want to contextualize our lives and compare our lives maybe in ways that previous generations didn't do yeah arguably so i but yeah i think they're like i i too there's there's a lot of good to retaining a lot of that individuality but yeah maybe there is like a maybe we could sacrifice five percent yeah maybe we could just because again i mean part of empathy is again not complete synthesis but allowing yourself to exist in another person's yeah headspace or situation so a certain sacrifice of a bit of individuality. I don't know. Maybe you're splitting hairs at that point. Yeah. It's a tricky balance, as most things are. So we have, like, in terms of any kind of, like, practical work, we would have maybe, like, some kind of worship space where, like, people could worship or they couldn't. Maybe, like... Yeah, the phrase worship space depresses me, though. I don't know. Something about it <laughs> sounds so... It sounds like something that you would read off of, like, a corporate printout that's above your, like... That's that's in the break room. That's like just so you know, there's a worship space. So, so maybe come there's... on down with like clip art, <laughs> like a little clip art of like a cross, and like just come on down. There's something really depressing about. So then worship maybe space. maybe it's just there's an email chain where it's like, hey, <laughs> we're gonna be yeah. hanging out. Yeah, a G chat. Yeah, a G chat about like, that. We'll be hanging out in uh, Deb's park. Yeah, just uh, you know, it's it's Jeff's turn to like decide what we're doing this week. So yeah, we'll come if you wanna. You know, <laughs> whatever. One oh one caveat because uh, my bleeding liberal heart forces me to make this caveat that um when i say that a worship space 
depresses me. I don't mean if you have a worship space, if you're listening to this and like you guys have a youth group and a worship space, great. Like <laughs> enjoy it. I don't I'm not passing judgment on you. I'm just saying that when I hear the phrase worship space, it fills me with dread. Um, and I can't explain that. And that's something that's very unique to me. Um, and part of the reason why, again, I think I value self-regulation or self-exploration uh, uh, of faith because everyone's going to tick a little differently to things like worship <laughs> yeah. space. But if you find a worship space helpful, yeah. by all means, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's it, Some people would say every place should be a worship space. We should not delineate uh, at all. That, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. But then there, there's a whole counter-argument to be made that as people are more into the rituals, it's, yeah. like a, it's nice to have a common... Yeah, again, Decided I, fun. I go back to the sex thing. It's like if every place is a worship space, it's like saying every place should be a fuck space. It's uh, like ah, <laughs> maybe in your own home. But, <laughs> yeah, but we don't don't but put don't, it in front of you. Yeah, me. don't. Yeah, fuck on the crosswalk. It's so, uh, so as far as community goes, you you say that's something that you still loved about church before. What and um, it's through the lens of nostalgia. Again, I don't know. But I mean, it's community. Is that something you currently value? And if if so, what would, would that? What would what would you hope? A religion of your own choosing. What would you hope? A kind of community of people. It sounds community of individuals. This, this is what it sounds like. Maybe we'd all just have a podcast. Maybe we just have like. Maybe we would just have <laughs> a rotating a, podcast. Yeah, like maybe we would just have a thing where, um, like we we get a bunch of beers and play Dungeons and Dragons, and like it's okay. And I mean, Dungeons and Dragons has like a faith element, so maybe like it's okay <laughs> to talk about faith if you want to, and it's sort of the 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 context of like. Um, this is a safe space to do that. Maybe that's what I want—a safe space, not a worship space, because a worship space contains certain expectations. Right. So yep. maybe just a regular safe space where occasionally faith will crop up, and we can just kind of check in with each other yeah. and um, vibe out. And if we feel like mutually exploring a certain aspect, then that's great. Because that was one nice thing that the non-denominational church did when I wasn't fighting with them over rituals and scripture. Um, there were certain aspects of hanging out that was nice, where it was like, we're just going to watch a movie. And because we're all part of a church, we know that if somebody is dealing with something spiritually, um, he's okay with bringing it up and not weirding people out. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's what I would say, is like, uh, let's hang out on Fridays, bring beer, and maybe <laughs> somebody will talk. Maybe someone will mention God yeah. at some point. No expectations, right. no pressure. Right. No one's bringing, like, handouts. Hand, ah. hand, handouts is another word that just makes me, <laughs> fills me with, with existential anxiety. Don't no hand- one's bringing, yeah, no one's bringing handouts or, like, little fold, like, folding uh, Bible verses. <laughs> Nobody's handing me shit. Right. Don't hand me shit. <laughs> Unless it's another beer or a character sheet. <laughs> right. Then I'm okay with that. Okay. So we hit. I like it. So we have a we have a, a, a rotating podcast. Yeah, we play Dungeons and, Dra- and Dragons game where there's a, you can talk about spirituality if you want yeah. to, but you really don't don't hand anything out. Yeah, no pressure to talk about. Right. Um, I I'm gonna guess I already know your answer to this. Is there any kind of outreach or evangelical nature of this, or is it just like hey? Listen to the podcast if you if you want if you have right, something you like our, come to our hangout. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I. Like, religious responsibility is also something that I think I'm still figuring out because on one hand, like, there is a certain, like, if you believe something is the key to saving humanity, why wouldn't you want to tell exactly. people about that? Like, that exactly. seems like a good thing to do, right? But at the, on the other hand, there is a certain, like, again, faith is personal, it's intimate, and it's very easy to go 
I might selfishly believe that I could, if I was given a platform, change the world, and I don't trust other people to do right. it right. But that's, again, the narcissism and the selfishness talking. I think that there's just a certain friction you get when you try to spread that message. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. but I like the idea. Somebody, I don't know if this is 100% true, so don't quote me on this. He says into a microphone. No quotes. Um, yeah, exactly. No air, no quotes. air quotes here. Uh, or any sort of quotes. But uh, I liked the idea that the original evangelical movement was the idea that the best way to spread the gospel was by example. Yeah. So, like, do good things. And if somebody asks you how, say, mm-hmm. I tend to believe in God is empathy. Um, but don't preach. Yeah. Unless invited to. That's the, that's the classic uh, hymn. I think it's a hymn. It's a hymn or a worship song, whatever. I don't know what the technical... The, they all know we are Christians by our love. Yeah. Like oh, that. God, I love... You yeah. know? That's how they'll know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't need to tell them, oh, it's not, they'll know we are Christians because we tell them about it. Yeah. Can I, can I just say, by the way, I love hymns. Like, I have such a weak, weak spot. Certain hymns hymn. do it for me. Certain hymns have never done it for me, ever. Yeah. There's certain, give, certain give hymns. A, what's a bad hymn? Oh, God, I wish, what's one that just. I'll tell you what I like. I love It Is Well With, with My Soul. I don't know that one. I, I realize um, that I think... It is well, it is well with my soul. It's kind of like just a nice little like peaceful like, oh, well, Yeah. Okay. I think there's some overlap between the denominations with hymns, but that's the yeah. one that does not make the overlap. I mean, I huge Be Thou My Vision fan. Mm-hmm. I mean... Oh, who, yeah. Be Thou My Vision. vision. Yeah. Huge fan of that one. That's a good Who doesn't one. love Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace. Even, yeah, that's classic. Even atheists kind of dig Amazing Grace. Yeah, that one's a little <laughs> too commercial. That's a little too mainstream <laughs> commercial. I don't know. That, that, that has weird... That one's... I love the song, but that one's almost, again, been kind of... Um, it's almost like certain Christmas songs have kind yeah, of been... They, although I love Christmas songs. Certain Christmas songs carry a certain stickiness. That's yeah, like, I, I can't not associate that with Coca-Cola now. Totally. And that makes me mad. Uh, yeah, Carol of the Bells is one of them. I love Carol of the Bells, but the song's forever ruined by yep. me. Yep. Um, because it's the Trans-Siberian Orchestra version, which I used to love, is all they play on the radio nowadays, <laughs> and it's used in every like fucking beer commercial, and it's ah. ruined for me forever. <laughs> and it's not the fault of the song; it's the fault of people who like the song, exactly. like me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, I, I do love me a good hymn. What were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you were, saying, you were saying that. Yeah, the idea is that to, yeah. to lead by example. Yeah. So yes do that also this is off topic but i'm really curious i think we both acknowledged when we were talking about the non-denominational church that we both kind of cringe for like christian rock like that's kind oh, of like yeah. it's a little cringy but i love hymns love me which hymns. is christian music like yeah. literally you can't get more christian music than a hymn right so why that's something i have thought about for a long time i still don't know why christian rock is bad now there's still there's like i would say five percent of Christian rockish song like they're not like like there's certain songs I heard in like uh going to like youth conferences and stuff mm-hmm. that were like they were sort of hymn like and that they had a refrain a common yeah. refrain but like they were in a they sounded more like rock yeah some of those I did enjoy but probably because they resembled more like hymns there's something yeah. about like do you think it's just because like there's a weird disconnect where the language often used is very again biblical which we associate with respect old-fashionedness and but it's being communicated <laughs> through the the language of the the musical language of like the rolling stones yeah or, uh, or like fucking system of a down and it's super weird to hear that happening yeah i think a lot of times it's like 
the their the Christian rock like the male singers at least have these kind of like whiny voices. They have, like, <laughs> but I love cert- pop punk though. I still have I still I have a nostalgic affinity for like fucking uh, uh, um, Yellow Card or whatever. Yeah. Like, and they're super whiny. It's almost like it's a st- whiny as shit. It's weird. It's almost, there's something. That that is my next like. I need to like go down this rabbit hole yeah. further of my own. Like, why don't I like him? My yeah. mom wanted me to like it so much. Yeah, as, as a kid. To but. flash my mainstream indie tr- uh, credentials, I love the like Sufjan Stevens. Uh huh. Like, have you listened to his stuff? I've. Does he have Christian stuff? So he is a Christian, and his his Did music. Did not know that. Yeah, you know that's the thing is he's very quiet about it, and like he won't like he doesn't call himself a Christian artist. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you listen to his latest album, Carrie and Lowell, dude, it's heartbreaking and so good. But it's filled with like wrestling with faith and like bi- it has biblical allusions. And it's clear that the dude has a Christian background and he yeah. is still Christian and he still uses so that like, to get through life. Kind of like Creed, right? No, no <laughs> it's Creed is is too again too. I would say too cheesy and too yeah yeah. yeah. I, but no, no it's, it's, it's I, yeah. It's 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 strange again. I can't really. Maybe I'm okay with Stephen Stevens because I get the sense it's not like Christian rock, which is, um, hey everybody, let's 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 raise our hands and and be one, which again makes me uncomfortable. This idea of sublimination of the individual. Maybe it's that kind of rabble rousing, like ah, we're all and, we're all one, we're all going to heaven. This is great. Whereas yeah. like Stephen Stevens is like, this is my Christianity. It's super intimate. I ain't trying to convert you. I ain't trying to like cheer you up. By talking about how great God is, I'm just kind of, this is kind of part of my life, and hey, take it or leave it, buddy. Like, no, at least to my experience, no Christian rock single is all about, like, God's okay, but uh, it's only me. Like, (laughs) not you. Right, Like, don't tell me about God, because you don't know. I think, too, there's often something that feels a little too presentational about Christian rock, or a bit too forced with, like... There's something of like I don't necessarily trust the people always performing it that they're not personally oh, yeah. doing it for their own glorification, like their own show. Like, I see. This is how Christian. I I know. Like I've known so many sweet people too. That's the the bad thing. It's like I've known so many sweethearts, oh, yeah. so many cool people who have been musicians and and the and worship right. bands. And Caveat: stuff. If you enjoy Christian music or are a Christian musician, then great, great, no, that's problem. fucking great. We just shit on your genre a little bit, but. But I've also only. I don't think it's bad. I think it I like the word uh, worship space. Yeah, it fills me with dread. I think I, I, there's a big difference too. I when I've when I hear it and I get the sense that people are sort of standing out of the the performers are standing out of the way of the music and they're just trying to like and that's what I love. Like they're trying to channel something. Yeah, they're trying to channel it. They're trying to help lead the music so that everybody can get into it. Versus like you just go to some and I don't know. Yeah, you feel like it's like. Like there shouldn't be stars in like Christian like and, yeah. and ideally to me I don't think Christian music should have like a star people, right, right. per se but it, on the other hand I do there's a couple of Michael W Smith songs that I <laughs> I will get down to his uh, Agnes Day I am like uh-huh. mm, that that's always touched me mm, his version yeah. of uh, I hate I hate that I like <laughs> have you ever heard Michael W Smith's Lord's Prayer rendition no. it it shouldn't move me as much <laughs> as it does but it. God damn if it doesn't yeah. move me. Um, anyway, there, there's, I kind of, I got to figure out like more exactly like what is it about? Yeah, maybe it's there was um, not to to belabor my, I, uh, my love of Stephen Stevens, but I was listening to his um, he has a Chris, a, a Christmas album, mm-hmm. 
where he does a mix of um, hymns and like traditional songs and like original pieces about Christmas. And something that I think he captured um, uh, in his his uh, orchestrations and arrangements is there is a certain amount of darkness, uh, but not again like certain Christian rock has darkness. There's the air quotes it, again, darkness, but right. it's that kind of darkness where it's like. Ah, oh, the devil's after me, but Lord, you're pulling me up. But like, I think the kind of darkness that I look for in music, and that I think is present in his music and the best Christian music, um, is, and my love of hymns might contradict this, but is this idea of like, um, you know, we, all humans are kind of broken conduits for spirituality, and there's a certain like darkness and dread and uncertainty and a kind of sadness yeah. to it. But it doesn't mean we can't celebrate sharing this. So, and I think that maybe. Uh, contemporary Christian rock leans a little too hard on the celebrating. Like we've already won. Like you're doing a victory lap, and we ain't yeah. won shit, motherfuckers. It's, like it's missing an down. element of humanity a little bit. Yeah, it's like yeah. you you are celebrating. And again, I don't want to slam too hard on it because some people need that, and it's kind of nice. But like, I don't feel anything worth celebrating right yeah. now hmm. to that degree. Yeah, let's take a little victory in that we understand each other. But <laughs> let's not. We can't get more than that. Yeah, and I bet a lot of the, the artists themselves would probably say like they've listened, they like sad music too. It's just, yeah, I don't it's think they're weird. bad people. I don't think they're ignorant people. I don't think they're dishonest people. Their their way of dealing with the tragedies of life is just different than mine. Yeah, and therefore I distrust them. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much same. Yeah, I fear and loathe them. All right, no. well, I think we I think we did it. So we have okay. this, this. We solved religion Christian music. That was right. the purpose of this podcast. We did it. Right? <laughs> did it. What is Christian music? So, so for Jeff's religion, we have something that's um, the religion of empathy, which is a mm-hmm. podcast, a rotating D and D podcast. <laughs> you can come anytime you like. Uh, no pressure to talk about God, but right. it's always an option to be yeah. on the table if you want it to be. Um, our outreach is pretty much being cool, and I mean, we would put the podcast up presumably, like people sure. could listen to it and be like, yeah. "Oh, hey, I, they sound like right. good people." Because again, we're all narcissists, so yeah. yes, people need to hear us. If you had, this is the hardest, the hardest question I've uh-huh. had so far. I want to see if you can stop it. If you had to name this religion, what would a name be? That's that was a curveball. When you said hardest question, I'm like, all right, what? You're like no. <laughs> like some, some crazy hypothetical that's gonna just destroy my belief. No, what is my name? Um, or no, like what's the name of this uh this podcast religion? <laughs> the name of this religion is, um, uh. uh I'm trying to think of a pun off of empathy. Yeah, like empathism or something. Yeah, empowered empathy. Um, or, uh, yeah, uh, 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 choose the right empath? I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, uh, uh, eat, I guess, eat, drink, and be thoughtful, maybe? There we go. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's go with let's that. Let's go with that. <laughs> That's a better better job than... I've, there's got to be a good way to like systematically name these because there's always so much pressure. Right. The, the right, naming right. of it, yeah. like, well, this is the name. This is the name. You really need a figurehead. Like Christianity had it easy. So, uh, what do we follow? <laughs> right. We follow Christ. We're Christianity. Right. Buddha. Buddhism. Yeah, exactly. Buddha, yeah. Buddhism. Yeah, exactly. Judaism. I don't know where the, where the term Jew comes from, but I, Judea, yeah. man, I, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I just disappointed my religious studies professor <laughs> so hard with that one. Yeah, Islam means uh, surrender. Yeah. So okay, so I guess I guess what our our name would be, we'll wait until one of us dies and then just name ourselves after. <laughs> Sounds like good. find whoever is hosting the D&D night. Yeah. The first person to die while hosting the night, uh it's named after him. Damn. Yeah. 
That's so great. he has to be wait. He has to be hosting it. Like right, right. Because at, again, at time of death, right. He has to be the leader because it's only the leaders who get named after it. So like he, but again, because we're not a fan of hierarchy or uh, ritual, since there is no strict hierarchy, it's just whoever's hosting it is the de facto quote unquote leader. And he has to night. die like on air. Yeah, he, if he dies while hosting, first person to do that, or whoever was last hosting, uh, <laughs> okay. named after them. Yeah, because like if we're waiting for somebody to die on air, yeah. it could be a while. So it might be heraldism if if herald is. Yeah. Let's do that. It's heraldism. 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 Oh, that'll uh, actually like get that. the UCB folks yeah, excited. Yeah, it's yeah. UCB, and also I kind of like it because it's like heralding a new age, which is a very religious okay. thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Like you're heralding something, but it's also kind of a weird common name that is kind of wimpy and, and super liberally. Like, I feel like, like, I don't, I can't picture an uber-masculine herald. Like, herald to me is like, uh, is like somebody who is, if he's conservative, he's kind of dumpy, like a Fargo kind of character. <laughs> and if he's liberal, he's kind of like bookish and kind of, right. so I like that. We're going to call it heraldism. There's no jocks named Harold. Right, exactly. There's no fucking like Meathead. general SS Harold. <laughs> like, There's uh, no Harold that's a, that's bullying kids. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to call it heraldism. That sounds My religion is heraldism. Well, thanks so much, man. <laughs> no on. problem. This Thank is, you for having me. This is a great conversation. Um, and I love, I love you. I love ah. doing improv with you. And yeah, uh, I love you too. And uh, that sound, heroism sounds all right by me. Yeah, thank you. And there's <laughs> no good way to end this. I'll probably fade this around this point. Okay. Well, that's another religion in the can. If you like Jeff, follow him on Twitter. Don't take my plug for it. Watch Fresh Plays on YouTube. Find a video game you like and enjoy watching somebody else play it. If you like this show, subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes. If you left me a rating, man, that'd be cool. And if you emailed me, joe at joequint.net, man, that'd be so cool. And if not, I still love you. Ja Rule. What's a creative podcast network?